Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Today I am joined by Coach Tom McClure and we are talking all things muscle soreness. But before we get into our topic today, we are just going to be talking about Tom's, well another one of Tom's crazy escapades. Tom, give, give the listeners a little insight in terms of what you're doing now. Well, I'm, I'm tapering for uh, my next race, which is a 100 kilometer trail run. So I'm taking things off road and uh, running through the, the Suffolk and Essex countryside, which is a lot more hilly than you'd think it'd be. Yeah. I've uh, been pl- planning my routes and my checkpoints. And yeah. So, yeah, no- another ultra marathon to tick off while still doing some strength training alongside. Obviously, keep myself strong and robust and trying to keep that top end strength there. So, yeah, all good fun as, all, as usual. Good stuff, mate. I mean, what what weather do you want? Do you want it to be? Does it affect it if it rains loads and you got to kind of be a bit muddier, or actually, like, you know, do you want it a bit drier or the ground a bit too hard? Like, what, what's the ideal conditions? Yeah, you don't want too much rain actually leading up to the event because that can definitely slow you down underfoot. Sometimes a bit of rain on the day, you know, a bit of rain during training is great because it can keep your body temperature a bit cooler. Then mm. the worst thing is obviously kind of direct sunlight. Or, or high humidity or, or both potentially mm-hmm. so it does rain a little bit if it's a little bit overcast that's that's not a bad thing uh sometimes windy is good although a headwind runners don't like but again <laughs> it, you can keep your body temperature down which is the main thing when i'm going to be mm-hmm. the main challenge i've found is doing an ultra marathon in the summer rather than doing doing things in the winter is just managing things like you know body temperature fluid intake and keeping myself yeah. nice and cool yeah it makes it makes it a lot harder there's 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 such a rise, isn't there, at the moment of people doing this. We'll, we'll, we'll put it under the umbrella of hybrid training. Um, but there's, there's a real rise of people doing this, you know, these these longer events, these, you know, crazier events or putting things together like, you know, like, you know, powerlifting and then doing a run or doing a triathlon plus a X, whatever you want to call it, strength discipline, you know, same yeah. day, same weekend. and. You know, nutrition does become more important with this, you know, side of things. Like we're partnered with Omnia Performance, and and these guys, 
you know, have a really unique kind of setup with their training and the way they kind of approach things. I know that's who programs for you. Um, and it kind of leads us into the topic today because doing that level of training, you probably are going to experience some form of, of muscle soreness. Now, a lot of our listeners will be crossfitters or doing some form of strength training and circuits or, you know, whatever. And muscle soreness is sometimes unavoidable. So we're going to go through what it is, what happens when we get sore, should we train through it? And then we've got our unique kind of three-tiered approach. So what, you know, what you should be focusing on and, uh, you know, rather than kind of majoring in the minors, you know, and, and doing things in the correct order. So Tom's going to take us through that. So look, kick things off, mate. What are, what is, what is DOMS? We hear this, this term thrown around to like, what is DOMS or what are DOMS? So DOMS stands for delayed onset muscle soreness so it's kind of collective term really to cover any kind of pain any stiffness whether it's in your muscles joints tendons ligaments and it can occur from anywhere between 24 typically up to maybe about 72 hours after uh, after a training day or training exercise i from personal experience it seems that as i've got older my delay becomes bigger that mm. train legs on a second that feel feel fine on a tuesday then i wake up wednesday morning and I, I can't get down the stairs very well so you know what what we're looking at is is inflammation effectively we're when we train and particularly if we're putting ourselves under load we are looking at the, the microscopic tears that are caused in your muscle or your connective tissue therefore you know your body's in a, in a sense of repairing and recovering that so how do we get you back to that baseline faster how do, are, there, are there things that we can do to alleviate doms happening sometimes there's always going to be inevitability with doms i would say but there are definitely protocols that we're going to talk through today yeah. that can maybe help you back let's say to that level of, uh, of baseline quicker yeah absolutely like you said there are times where it is unavoidable like if you're going back into doing something that you maybe had a gap from such as lifting such as like you know long, longer duration especially things that are kind of more impact or, or have an eccentric, so where the muscle is lengthened through range. If they have an eccentric component, you often find that muscle soreness is increased a little bit. So like you say, sometimes getting back into training or doing a, a new discipline, like changing what you are commonly kind of used to, your body's used to, um, will result in muscle soreness. And there is a, the reason why we uh, want to try to mitigate uh, muscle soreness as much as possible because it causes force loss it causes like a, a, a reduction in the power that you can actually kind of produce so this can range though depending on like the research is around 15 to 60 percent so quite a, a big range depending and i think obviously the amount of your 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 history of training so your training age and the level of activity like the, you know, the amount that you do so this is where you need to listen to your coach and listen to other people when they say like you know don't go Hell for ever on the first day, even if you feel good and you're, you're, like, you're so motivated to get back into the gym, like it, there is a bit of a, a transition period where you do need to be kind of like, you know, taking it kind of slowly because you don't want to be that person that does one session and has five days doms, you know, and, and can't train for the rest of the week. Um, because I like said that soreness and swelling increases, um, there's a reduced range, there's a reduced reduction in range of motion with, you know, in, in your muscles and, and joints. And like I said, that, could, that can be caused from soreness, swelling, and, uh, you know, things like this. There is, if you've ever had a kind of blood work done as well, one of the things that gets released is a, is a enzyme called creatine kinase, and it's a marker of kind of muscle protein breakdown. And this is something that I just wanted to, a little bit of caveat here. If you've ever had blood work done and you'll see ALT and CK levels on your blood work, and they're quite elevated. 
Now, these are going to be elevated from muscle soreness, from muscle protein breakdown. This is completely normal and often the case that people that train regularly and if they get blood work done, these will be elevated above the, the reference ranges. It's nothing to be scared of. It is, an, it, is a, it is a natural thing. If you're going to train, it's almost unavoidable. So that, that's what the kind of key point, like Tom, we can't get rid of muscle soreness completely. And we don't really want to, do we? We, we need some form of soreness you know, to show that we are progressively overloading. We just want to be able to manage it. And I think the, the, the system that you've kind of come up with focuses on that so give us a little bit of a a kind of intro to this and and some kind of key points we want to kind of get started with when we're talking about reducing muscle soreness yes i think the kind of disclaimer here is that we see a lot of noise for the right reasons about certain recovery protocols i'm sure you only have in your uh, instagram feed to see uh people talking about yeah, cold cold water therapy. People talk about CBD oils. Uh, people talking about mu- massage gun. Uh, and look, they have their place. We're not saying that they aren't a benefit, but if you focus on this tiered approach, we believe you can get much more bang for your buck to make sure you've got all these other tiers ticked off. And I find it's a really useful kind of guide to maybe back to. And it's something that I do with clients is that if they are struggling to recover training sometimes we just work through this checklist and maybe mm. one of these points has just slipped something that they normally do for whatever reason we've just slipped off that we get back on top of that often it kind of fixes the the issue so before reaching out for any supplement or let's say any crazy list of superfoods we're going to make sure we nail the basic which is tier one if i'm going to dive in tier tier 1.1 is going to be about fueling for the work required uh, a phrase that i'm sure anyone knows us listens to our podcast etc we've heard that term before but particularly we see it in a fat loss phase if people are dieting often their muscle soreness can be uh, increased because they're maybe having too great a deficit so your body has obviously a lack of nutrients if you're in a deficit anyway if you're in a very big deficit you've got even less so your body's going to struggle to do everything you're asking it to do function daily train and then you're asking it to repair muscle tissue damage, it's almost like it hasn't got enough bricks to rebuild the wall that's been knocked down. So make sure that if you are in a deficit, it's, let's say, enough to elicit the right results, but it's not having an impact on your training and your recovery. Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely, they say that we talk about big rocks doing things in the correct order, and that's what this tier system is about. And I think that's definitely the, the way to start. If you're someone that is really struggling with muscle soreness and like say you're trying to, to lose weight, like you probably have to create a smaller surplus. You probably have to focus on nutrient timing, you know, so making sure that you're bookending your training sessions to maximize your, you know, your, your fueling and your recovery. Like this is a key thing. Like you say, fueling for the, for the work required, you've got to not have a mismatch in terms of your intake and your, you know, what you're asking your body to do. So. Top stuff, mate. And like you say, protein, carbohydrates, that, you know, they, they are the building blocks. They're the building blocks of, of what you want to do. So um, we'll go into macronutrients in a minute. But yeah, top man, like really good, really good kind of one we need to focus on. 1.2, tier 1.2. Yeah. I like that, 1.2, 1.1, 1.2. Tier 1.2 is, is about protein and, and getting a good distribution across the day, particularly making sure we've got a high quality source at each meal. Again, particularly if someone is in a, in a deficit, we really want to maximize muscle protein synthesis. What I mean by that is that 
We want to, let's say, have a good distribution rather than a skewed intake. Rather than having all your protein at dinner, we want to make sure we're getting protein at breakfast, protein at lunch, protein at dinner. You know, this is what's going to help pair that muscle tissue damage. So again, just sense check. If there's three or four lunch meals a week or two or three breakfasts a week where actually you're lacking on protein, can you plug mm. the gap and make sure you've got a good distribution there? Yeah, a common thing that I see with clients is People that train in the morning, you know, they, they might train fasted and then they might delay their intake after their, their training session, you know, and then that first meal might be relatively low in protein. So like my bowl of cereal or a croissant or a pastry or grabbing something, you know, on the way into, you know, or just an oat milk latte on the, in the way in. And all of a sudden they've come off an overnight fast. So the last meal they ate was seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, and then they've trained and then they've delayed their intake. And then the next proper proper protein feed is maybe 12, 1 o'clock or maybe 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know, and then that might be a little bit lower, you know, in protein. And all of a sudden you look at your bird's eye view of your day and, you know, you're going maybe 18, 19 hours and you've only really had 20, 30, 40 grams of protein. So I think that's what Tom, you know, that's what you're talking about, right? Distribution across the day as opposed to absolutely sporadic you know, and as opposed to inconsistent. And I think that is, that is something that we just ran our, our nutrition challenge, the PB challenge, and it was all about fueling. And there was a couple of people that delayed their intake after their session. And we got them to make sure that they were eating something within the 90 minutes after their training session. And they were like, the difference it made was unbelievable in terms of muscle soreness because they were providing their body with the, with the materials to repair and grow and regenerate and, you know, and I think that that then kickstarts that that day. So you're not, like you say, having this inconsistent intake. So, yeah, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Snacks as well. Nice little opportunity to not make it super super low in protein. So again, we want to want to try to get that more even distribution because we can't we can't store protein. We have to remember this. We can't store it. We're we're constant state of fluctuation in terms of protein synthesis, protein breakdown. So, I'm not saying that you need to be chugging a shake every two hours, but making sure that you are getting some form of protein across the day is it's a real big one is a real big rock for for reducing muscle soreness cool next up what we got 1.1.3 is aiming for three different colors from fruits or vegetables or a combination of every meal i'm a big big fan of this it sounds yeah. simple it is hard to do i get it's hard to do so Again, maybe look at where you're currently at. Look at the meals that maybe have two servings of fruits or vegetables in. How can you add another color in there? How can you add a little bit more variety? But the value that you're going to get from adding more antioxidant-rich food, from adding foods that you know are high in enzymes, high in vitamins and minerals, are again going to help with that recovery process and minimizing mm. that you know muscle soreness and, and damage. There is so much to be said for eating fruits and vegetables i know i will i will bang on about food quality till i'm till i'm blue in the face but again the feedback we get from clients when they improve their food quality and they eat a little yeah. bit more fruit and veg is is tenfold it's massive yeah it's it's something that we've we've been banging the drum for for quite a long time haven't we and we think it's easy like we think oh yeah i'm eating whole foods but really really sitting down and thinking like how many fruits and vegetables i get in across the day you might get it in at dinner Okay, like you say, but 
realistically where do you, where do you get it in and that's a really key thing that i would like to encourage we we create the five color challenge and that's five colors a day three colors in each meal and the three colors in each meal is, is really it is like i say sometimes difficult to do but i do think it's easy in the summer as well like with big well not that we had much of a summer but you know eating fresher fr- fruits and veg and salads yeah it's, yeah it's gone yeah but the reason why we encourage different ones is because every different like fruit or, you know color will provide different polythene or different antioxidants different you know ratios of vitamins and minerals and trace minerals so these all i say provide your body with ex- external antioxidants but it also then helps to pre- uh, upregulate your body's own antioxidant system so this is why it's really really crucial and like you say regardless of what you're doing where your goal is we we will always focus on food quality and that's definitely something that I know that, you know, talking to all of the coaches, we really try and advocate and yeah, I say if it's done consistent, people find it's going to be really, really beneficial, don't they? In terms of muscle soreness and also just general energy levels. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Go on then, mate. Next one. Are we going straight on to tier, tier two or, or are we wrapping up anything else on tier one? No, I, I think that's right. Again, just sense check it. It may be that you think you're doing it. But actually, yeah. maybe you're not as consistent as you'd like to be, and that's that's the thing to remember of each tier here is is how consistent are you are you at each tier before adding the next one in. So, tier two point one uh, for me is what I would call like a a peri workout nutrition window, making yeah. sure that you are providing your body with the circulating energy to use before you train, and then a a post training meal or snack or both to make sure that you're really bookending that session so that you're Mm. we talk about it all the time that you are you know performing well you are recovering effectively you are thriving in your training rather than surviving through i know liam you'll probably vouch for this that on the pb challenge that was a a big factor of it was making sure that eating some protein and some carbs will enhance uh you know your glycogen storage and your muscle protein synthesis around your training yeah, you're absolutely right, buddy. Like you said, we, you got to be eating enough at the moment, at the right, you know, the, that's the, the biggest thing. Like you say, fuel for the work required. That's why that was in number one. And actually, then once you have that foundation, then you can start to work on nutrient timing. Like we, fo- we I think I did a post about a calorie is a calorie if you just want to lose body fat, you know, or nutrient timing doesn't matter if you just want to lose body fat. But if you want to perform well, if you want to recover efficiently, if you want to reduce muscle soreness, a calorie isn't a calorie. You need to focus on quality and timing matters. You know, and, and the, you know, the anabolic window is, is there, <laughs> you know, pre-workout nutrition. It works when we get it, when we get it right. Like it's, it's something that if you follow Tom on Instagram, you will see his, you know, peanut butter bagel, banana bagel before, but it's, it's, you know, <laughs> the man's running a hundred kilos in the forest. So he's doing something right. But it is, it's something that again, you hopefully people are going through this and going, oh, actually, I don't do that. You know, even me talking about it, like I, I really need to turn focus on getting a little bit more colors in my lunch. You know, I, I, I'm really good at breakfast and really good at dinners and I'm, you know, really good across the day, but actually I'm just kind of let that slip a little bit. So even, you know, going through this, you're like, right, definitely. I think pre-workout nutrition, what do your, do you get a common complaints from your clients, mate, about like, oh, I don't want to eat. I feel a bit heavy, you know. How do we, how do we kind of navigate that kind of, you know, common, yeah. common complaint? Two things I commonly hear. One is I don't want to eat 
or like say, or, or don't know what to eat or, or have tried something once in the past and it's never, and it's not worked. So therefore they, they either train fasted or have a massive gap. And secondly, there, there's always a time slash logistics issue. And, but that sometimes often comes down to just a little bit of backwards planning in yeah. terms of, right, if you're hitting the gym at 5.30 PM, you need to have a snack at 3 PM rather than having a snack at quarter past five on your way to the gym. Yeah. If you're training yeah. at seven in the morning, you need to have a snack at half five, six when you get up, something that's very easy to digest rather than having a can of knocko as you're walking through the gym door. So it's just often that little bit of planning. There's always a bit of trial and error, I think, with, with pre-workout nutrition. But yeah, it is, yeah. Again, the feedback I get time and time again is once we've found something that works for you that's normally relatively easy to digest and is portable, we just see people's not only performance improve, but because it's still in your system and it's bleeding through, we see their recovery markers improve as well. Yeah, that was going to be my next point. People think, oh, well, you're talking about muscle soreness. Surely this is like what we do after the workout, you know, what we, we do post-workout. And yeah, you are talking about kind of, you know, making sure that that post-workout nutrition is is on point. But the pre-workout nutrition, like you say, your body doesn't have these on and off switches. Like, oh, that's pre-workout. Like that only is used before my workout, you know, and oh, that's, you know, the end of the day, the light switch just goes off and everything that you did the day before is, is that's yesterday's problem or that was yesterday's intake and now we kind of start fresh. It's not that, that you know, it's it bleeds in, it, it kind of rolls over. And a lot of this stuff is about compounding, you know, doing it consistently. So I think pre-workout is probably one of the under, under kind of utilized things where people, if they feel generally that their performance is lacking and also that they're, I think a little bit fatigued, a little bit sore, a little bit beat up. Because again, you're providing your body with the fuel rather than asking your body to, you know, provide it from stored sources such as glycogen and potentially even muscle, you know, so your body will go into gluconeogenesis if you don't have enough glycogen. And that is not what we want. We don't want muscle to be broken down and utilized as energy. So that's pretty extreme. But again, if you're doing these longer runs, if you're doing double training sessions, you know, these types of things, they, you know, you're glycogen and you don't eat. So, you know, don't feel for the work required, then you can get this, this bit of a gap created. So yeah, good, good stuff, mate. Again, if anyone is, is interested about how to do this properly, rather than boring you about it on here, we have the PB challenge open up every, every month now. And the next one's on August 24th. And 10 days, learn how to fuel your training. Uh, we have some incredible results from the first one. So yeah, get on that links, links in the, in the show notes or on our website. So good stuff. Right. Next up tier two, what, what we got next on the list, big man. So yeah, 2.2 for me is uh, hydration. And again, this is something we all know we should be on top of. And most people go, yeah, I drink enough water until actually I would ask people to keep an eye on what you actually think you, you drink versus what mm. you actually drink you know whether that's you know looking at you know to having a water bottle with you throughout the day how many times you fill it up but like being dehydrated in your training sessions is going to make it harder it's going to increase yeah. potentially the perception of effort it's going to maybe increase your heart rate you're going to reach fatigue quicker therefore you're not going to be able to perform at your best or your form's going to break down which therefore can increase muscle soreness so Again, it's about getting watertight with the logistics. This is my big term at the minute that I, that, I, that, I really, that I really like getting in. But talking about that peri-workout nutrition, it's right. Are you yeah. fueling and are you hydrating before that session? 
are you hydrating during the session? Might you need fueling if it's a longer session? And then post-session, are you rehydrating? rehydrating. Are you refueling yeah. afterwards? Getting that window watertight, honestly, the results that you can achieve are incredible. Yeah, I, I may, I would second that. And hydration, I think, is one of these topics where if we ever do a post or everyone talks about it, I just feel that there's, there's this collective sigh of like, oh, yeah, I know. No, well, I know, I know I'm meant to be doing that. But it's just like, bore off, tell us something new, like, tell, us something, tell us something that's going to make my face tingle and like make me like It's like, like stretching, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly, you, should yeah. De- you should do your mobility, drink your water. Bore off, next reel. Yeah. <laughs> but it may, honestly, like the, the biggest thing that I want to bang the drum for is not hydrating halfway through your workout. Like get it in beforehand, 20 to 30 minutes before your workout, make sure that you are hydrating. Be proactive with it. If you wait until halfway through your workout, you are missing the boat. Do not wait. Do not delay it. Okay. If you're a morning trainer, get up and get hydrated. If you're an evening trainer, don't just sip through water, you know, 45 minutes into your workout. You've got to be proactive with it. 20 to 30 minutes before your workout, make sure that you are drinking some water. You will reap the rewards, like, like Tom said. Good stuff, mate. Last point on tier two. 2.3, talk about carbohydrates. I feel already that the comment section of the internet getting ready to go, go at me hard. All these the hundreds import- of listeners that are bombarding <laughs> the internet. All, all, all the keto zealots are going to come at me hard now. But carbohydrates, the importance of them, particularly again around your training, they create an insulin response in a good way, in a positive way. Okay, I don't want people to be afraid of carbohydrates. It's going to help. The protein that we've spoken about, the high quality food, the fruits and vegetables we've spoken about, we want to get absorbed into the body, moving around, and carbohydrates will do that for us. Carbohydrates will also lower uh, your body's stress hormone, cortisol, which is often elevated post-workout because we put our body into this kind of fight or flight mode. So we want to get into that rest and digest. We want to be shuttling all the protein and nutrient-rich food into our body. Carbohydrates will help us do that. Yeah, that's what we said about earlier, isn't it? Nutrient timing matters for this type of stuff. And like you said, we don't need to be doing it 10 minutes after the workout, but you know, within that 90-minute window, that, that's the kind of key one for me. I think that you've nailed it there. Insulin is a storage hormone. It will store the, the you know good quality nutrients that you're going to be eating after listening to this podcast. Cortisol is an interesting one as well. Like you say, we need it to mobilize energy. We need it in our training sessions. It is not the bad guy. You know, but we don't want consistently higher levels of it. Tom's right. Carbs will help lower that. Uh, and kick, kick your body. Kick, kick start the recovery process. So this is why protein shakes, carbohydrates, post-workout have been popularized. There's a reason why they work. Because what are you doing? You're providing your body with protein. You're rehydrating because it's water-based. And you're providing some carbohydrates to help restore glycogen levels, but also reduce cortisol levels and kickstart that recovery process. There's, there's reasoning why people um, suggest this. It's not just random. And well, some of it's supplement companies trying to sell us stuff, but there's a reason for it. So I do think that that is the, you know, the case. But the reason, just to kind of loop back, the reason why this is tier two is because if you do this without doing all of the other things, such as the tier one, such as the dehydration, you know, such as providing your body with the, with the adequate fuel to actually get a decent session, then what you do post-workout is majoring in the minors a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, 100%.
Cool. Right. Tier one, tier two down. Hit me with tier three. So this is the top of the pyramid. This is the type of thing that we need to kind of, maybe people may be a little bit guilty of jumping straight here. What do you think? Yeah, potentially. Again, yeah, just not considering, are you doing tier one and tier two consistently before getting to this uh, to, to this tier? And this tier is maybe about things that you may be lacking in or things that you, if you do add them in, look, there is benefit to it. But as Liam alluded to previously, unless you're doing the other steps, the other components, they won't make as big an impact as, as yeah. tier one and tier two. So I'm going to talk about Omega-3. Uh, the benefit of getting benefit of getting the right amount, you know, training causes a stress on our body. We have other stresses in our life as well. What kids, financial, whatever. We want to, you know, reduce inflammation so we can get that body accelerating the recovery process and get you back in. So when you're back in the gym and training, you haven't got this 72 hours of muscle soreness that means you can't even do an air squat. Mm. So typically in the UK, most people don't eat enough oily fish don't get that two to three portions a week of salmon mackerel trout so adding an omega-3 supplementation a fish or an algae oil we've found often be beneficial as long as you're doing tier one and tier two first yeah i would i would really echo what tom said there about the volume of uh, omega-3s that we consume in that it's very challenging to, to eat this type of fish consistently i think from a practical standpoint, eating sardines and mackerel is quite challenging. You know, I think that a lot, a lot of people like to do it consistently. And salmon these days is bloody expensive. And I just feel that the quality has dropped a lot in the last few years. So how much omega-3s are you actually deriving from your piece of salmon? I would be... Ooh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think very much these days, especially if it's just the normal salmon that you buy from the supermarket. So I do think that one of the, one of the big things that I would suggest that people supplement with is an omega-3. The blood work I've done, omega-3 ratio is always a little bit higher. And I do think that someone that is training regularly, and when I say regularly, maybe four plus times a week, you know, they will benefit from it because it's really challenging to get enough from your diet. And if you are creating more inflammation, it can't, you, it is really challenging to, to like say, provide that without a supplement. So I think that that is probably one of the things I would jump straight into on tier three and be like, yes, I'm doing that. Obviously we want to promote a food first approach, but realistically asking people to buy seven pound fillets of salmon or six pound, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Like it's, it's hard like to, to kind of tell people to can, you know, eat three, that eat that three, four times a week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, and again, it's do it consistently. Do that 52 it. weeks of the year. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I, I go through periods where, yeah, we have some salmon. Mackerel and salads, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then there might be three or four weeks, but I don't have I don't any. Know, yeah, so exactly, yeah. Like I say in terms of consistency, having a supplement, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good shout there. Yeah, I agree. Next one. Um, good to talk about zinc and magnesium. These are crucial minerals for muscle function. And again, if we're talking about why we get muscle soreness, you know, why we fatigue, zinc and magnesium, particularly again for those people who are maybe doing four or five decent training sessions and above, you may, may being the key word, deplete these minerals quicker. So that zinc and magnesium, to get it in your diet, 
is, I think, relatively easy. You know, we're talking about yeah. nuts and seeds, talking about beans and lentils, a bit of red meat, yeah. things like that. But again, it may just be, you just need to do a little mini audit and be like, right, actually, and this is something sometimes I see is that people eat quite a kind of low fat diet. They eat a lot of lean protein. They maybe eat a lot of green veg, a lot of berries. But maybe where they've previously dieted, they've really cut back on things like nuts and seeds and maybe higher fat meats and things like that. Where actually, maybe if you're at maintenance or maybe trying to get stronger, introducing some of these foods back in can be great for, I'd say, topping your, your zinc and magnesium levels back up again. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, really, that's a really good insight there in terms of actually yeah, people that are dieting will, will maybe remove the foods that provide these nutrients, omegas and zinc and magnesium. So I do think that that's very, you know, if you're trying to balance fat loss and performance, that's definitely something to be aware of. And obviously you're eating a deficit, so you're going to be eating less food overall, you know, potentially. So you're going to provide less opportunities for your body. So yeah, zinc and magnesium, I'm doing a lot of reading on magnesium at the moment and just in terms of like there's benefits and like I said, it's involved in so many things in the body in terms of energy production, digestion, muscle function. So, you know, it's, it's depleted and it's something that I do think is easier to get from foods, like I say, but it's got to be little minute audit, like magnesium rich foods. How am I, am I consuming, you know, Google that, am I consuming some of these regularly? If you are, you're probably not going to be deficient. So yeah, I, I would just do that. Takes two seconds to do tick off the list. Yeah, actually, I'm doing that. Again, sorry, just to jump back on the meat. One of the meat things that we do we want to do that is because it's it's when we break down like muscle from you know the exercise eccentric exercise the, the 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 membrane in the cell is broken down and that's what is you know the omega threes the fatty acids they make up this membrane and they make up they help with nervous system recovery you know so zinc magnesium omegas they all help with nervous system you know, recovery as well. So we're talking about muscle soreness and recovery in general, but you know, if you, if you're doing a really high level of training, then that's definitely going to be something that you can, that you can add on and probably reap the, you know, kind yeah. of reap the rewards of that. We've got on our notes, discuss any other supplemental foods in here. We haven't talked about turmeric, Tom. I mean, no, this got a bit of a, you know, rage. I think Lee Steggles once bought me a turmeric cookbook on the <laughs> back in the day. I, yeah, turmeric, let's say the active compound curcumin is, is really powerful inflammatory. I think it's really challenging to get enough from actual food sources of turmeric. I think it's a very sensible thing that you can add in, you know, but yep. adding in all spices, all spices have a very high and herbs have a very high antioxidant level. So definitely spicing your food and lots of herbs, fresh herbs or dried herbs. I do think it's a really sensible thing to, to kind of include in. Um, before you jump on to, to yours, one that I when I was writing the content for our online platform, carnitine, L-carnitine, it got some really, really good stuff behind it for reducing muscle soreness, kind of taking it post-workout. There's a couple of podcasts I listened to recently with a couple of guys over in America on Barbell Shrugs. They were talking about it and they are like, yeah, they've got some, some really good, really good stuff about producing muscle soreness, lowering out overall inflammation. And often we often, you know, we often think about it in terms of, you know, for fat loss, for shuttling fatty acids into the energy, you know, for, for into the Krebs cycle, into the energy system. Actually, some, some, you know, timing it at the right times can be really beneficial for reducing muscle soreness. But again, this is probably tier three. This is definitely 3.3, you know, in the tiers. Anything else that you take, Tom? No, I just wanted to quickly touch on the curcumin kind of arm there. I've been taking 
a, a joint supplement in my training for the last kind of about three four weeks now which is a which is a curcumin supplement so the active compound of turmeric isn't it and in the dosage to help with joint pain now i think again it's only one person's comment but i think i've definitely noticed an improvement in my ankles which is normally the thing that suffers the most in my ultramarathon training they get really stiff when i run long distances yeah. they feel like bricks so anyway i can describe them definitely think it's had a positive impact whether it's a placebo effect whether it is the supplement itself but doesn't matter it's I, working <laughs> yeah if, it, if it's worked for this period of time it's, again it's not something i maybe would take 12 months of the year but again yeah prep leading into a big event or a competition or yep. you know a new block of training or you know high volume the weather circumstances dictate i think i will try it again that's for sure yeah good start that's really good feedback mate and that's a really good point you make about about this you know, with muscle soreness, there's a thing called the repeated bout effect. So as you do something more frequently in the same movement pattern, your body will adapt. You know, that this is how elite athletes can train for four hours a day and go in the next day and, you know, not be the tin man because their body, your body will adapt. Like, and doing or providing your body with a little bit of periodization from a maybe a food point of view, so maybe eating a little bit more, maybe a supplementation point of view, adding certain things in, in these sprints, at these times where you maybe need it, whether that's like, say, in a really tough, tough training block, so maybe at the start or towards the end of a training block, maybe you, when you're going into a competition to just ensure that as you come up before your taper, that, that you're providing your body with that little bit of support, so like a pre-taper, um, so maybe two, three, four weeks like Tom's doing there, just to provide your body with the, the, you know, that little bit of support, maybe the volume, the intensity has gone up, you know, and, and that's what we want to try to be thinking about being sensible with. And, you know, we're all about simplicity, but I think just taking that little bit of like, actually, I could add that in for that short amount of time and see if I can notice a difference. Most things need time to compound, but there are things that, you know, is situational, isn't it? Like you just said there, like it's really situational that my ankles hurt because I'm doing many miles, but like, you wouldn't do it if you're just doing a few more squats, a few more lunges, a few more gym-based sessions and some shorter stuff or some unloaded stuff, maybe on a bike or a swimming, you know? Yeah. So you wouldn't then add it in. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. What, one thing I've got on here, just like maybe should you train through soreness? Do you, you know, obviously some soreness is unavoidable, but like have you got any advice on like how to train or should you be training through muscle soreness? I think you can train through muscle soreness. Again, sometimes if you've got, you know, if you've got areas of tightness, if you've got areas of constriction, actually increasing blood flow by you know, actively recovering effectively that area can can get you back to that baseline quicker. I think what people need to be aware of is, is maybe obviously if the plan is to go in and squat heavy and your legs are sore, maybe you need to think about, right, well, could I train my legs in a different way? Could I do less eccentric loading? Could I do... Yeah. Could I, could I reduce the, the volume of the session, take a couple of sets out? Could I actually train a less affected area? I pushed my leg day one day further back and trained upper body today. Would that help me recover quicker? And then it's, it's very cliche to say, but sometimes just listening to your body and knowing, actually, if I take a rest day now, how is this going to help me? Am I then going to be able to train for another two, three, four days consistently in the week? I know people don't like taking rest days. People don't like taking time out the gym, but... 
again zoom out and how good is how good is your week's training how good is your four five six days training if after two days you're beaten up that the rest of the week is a bit nah that's the only way i can describe yeah. it you know a bit substandard yeah, yeah, you're not no, performing definitely. you're not you're not improving yeah. well actually do you need to restructure things a little bit so that the consistency and the quality of your training is better week on week yeah and i think that comes into the the point about you don't need muscle soreness to get stronger and, and improve your performance like it's not a marker of a good session you know no, like no. that's the thing that you need to think about in that don't be chasing the soreness to be like oh god it's not a badge of honor that you're so sore that you can't bend down do your shoes up you know and i think crossfit has done some wonderful things but i do think it's also maybe kind of had that impact where people you know are always saying oh god i'm so sore you know and it's almost like a good thing so look in shortness a little bit of soreness i think is good because it shows maybe at times because it shows that you're maybe stressing the body to make it progressively overload to improve performance get stronger but if you're always bloody sore and you're always having to change things up or adapt things or go into your gym 45 minutes before the session to mobilize and warm up before the warm-up then look go through that tiered system start with maybe kind of looking at your nutrition and and building those foundations and then maybe just like say look at your look at your training week you're probably doing too much or your diet and training is a little bit mismatched you know and that's not allowing you to to kind of see progress so yeah cracking stuff mate good 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 uh, a few points to just just kind of wrap up on yeah just just give us a bit of an overview tom i know we talked about like say tiers just just a few things in terms of you know Recovery in general, muscle soreness from recovery in general. I think that kind of mini audit approach is, is a really good yeah. idea. Is just look at your week, whether you track your food or you just you do a food shop each week. Look at you know the consistency of you know eating enough, consistency of protein. Is there enough variety in terms of colours? And then get watertight with the logistics was like tier two, wasn't it? In terms of like yeah. what are you doing around your training? pre and post workout drinking enough water a lot of this is habits isn't it and you're not you're not always going to get it right each week but you know by doing that mini audit it gives you the opportunity just to say just upskill yourself nail each tier off a little bit more and then you can focus on on the one about and i think that will get you really good uh, results and, and bang for your buck if you are someone like Liam said that is constantly sore if you plateaued in your training if you feel like your consistency of your week is really up and down because you can't recover then work through this protocol, do that mini audit, and then just get to work. Yeah, I, I think that's key to work through that because like we, you, like you said about adding that joint supplement in, you know, there's a difference. But I know that you do all of these tiers and I know that you're very good at doing the basics consistently well. So then when you add something else like this in at the top, then you, you, you see a benefit. Whereas if you just describing that person there, they might go, oh, I've heard CBD oil is really good for reducing muscle soreness. Then they're going to spend 70 quid on a CBD oil, take it for two weeks, don't notice a difference. And then, you know, they're 70 quid lighter and half a tub of CBD oil in their bathroom cabinet. And I'm like, you could spend 70 quid better on your food shop across the month, you know, yeah. chuck a load of frozen berries in, chuck a load of different, you know, fruits and veggies in, you know. <laughs> That is probably, you know, get a better quality protein powder and, or, you know, maybe something else like food wise. And, and I think you're going to be a, a lot better off. So I think that's where you know, I say that a little mini order zooming out across the week and, and definitely trying to go through it is, is a very sensible strategy, buddy. Yeah, it's being honest, building, building these habits. So 
Mate, I, I really love this because I think muscle soreness is, and recovery is something that we kind of know about and talk about, but actually it's all a bit kind of like wishy-washy, like oh, we need to recover and it's, it, there's no real kind of like, right, this is what you need to be doing. So there's a lot of noise around it, mate. So I, I love this. I love this tiered approach. I love going through it. And I like that, you know, each one of them's three points, go through them. Which one am I missing? Can I get a bit of a checklist? You know, and usually it's about kind of looping back and, you know, once you kind of feel that you're gone through it, loop back and kind of start again and, and keep refining. So really good stuff, buddy. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate the support with the podcast. We've had some excellent feedback recently and anything that you want us to cover, any topics, any papers, any, you know, you want our take or opinion on, on things, just message us on Instagram, drop Tom a message, myself a message, um, any of the other, the PH coaches, just, you know, just let us know. Um, but we really say, we appreciate the support. Feel free to, to share this, you know, drop us a like or a, what is it, a five stars on the, on the Apple or Spotify, that'd be much appreciated and we will catch you on the next episode and good luck to tom this week on his big trail run you monster catch you on the next episode hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.